Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Screen Strong Families podcast. This is Melanie Hempy bringing you the best solutions for parents who are serious about reducing screen time in their home. Today, we have a special guest to talk about an issue that all of us have dealt with if we have children or if we if we have children and they're not teenagers yet, we are about to deal with it. And what we're talking about today is the issue that we deal with um, screens and tweens. And our special guest is Diane Gibson. And um, Diane has three children and she's going to introduce herself in just a second. But what I want to say, what I want to start off with is to just let all y'all know that I have had four tweens. <laughs> I've had four kids go through middle school. Those middle school years can be the most challenging when we're talking about issues around screens. And the reason why has a lot to do with their brain development. And it used to be that we used to think that um, during this stage, teenagers had hormonal issues, right? They had all of their um, hormones were up and they were down and they were moody and they were getting acne. And we had all these signs of this change that they were going through in their body. But what we've learned in the last 10 to 15 years with all the brain development research that's been done is that's not really the reason why our kids are a little bit scattered. The reason our kids are scattered, the reason why they have trouble focusing, the reason why they have issues with taking ridiculous risk at this age is because of their brain development. And once we understood this in the whole medical community, we, we started, you know, kind of giving our kids a break a little bit, right? Because um, they are not able to make decisions the way adults are making decisions. And no matter what you do as a parent, you cannot speed this maturity process up. So there is a point in time when your your child is young, maybe they're in first, second, third, fourth grade, fifth grade, and you think, you know what, this parenting thing is going pretty good. Um, my kids do what I tell them. They seem to like me. <laughs> and, um, you know, we all seem kind of, we're rocking and rolling. In fact, this parenting thing, you know, I'm pretty good at it. And then something happens around 11, I think 11 is probably the age where things uh, start to kind of unravel a little bit. And what happens is your child who you thought would never lie to you starts lying to you. And for some parents, this can be devastating. And for others, you know, it can be just really lonely and isolating because they think, oh my gosh, what have I done wrong? So today we're going to talk to Diane about what happened in her family, in her home, just a couple of weeks ago. Right, Diane? Yep. Welcome. Yep. Welcome to the Hi. show. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> yes, we've had um, quite an adventure with my 11-year-old daughter, um, who was that perfect child and um, was the, oh, oh my gosh, I am so glad that I'm not having to deal with you know, X, Y, Z that my friends are dealing with, with their kid and, and look at my, look at my daughter and, you know, her friends, they're all so sweet and kind and, and never get into any trouble. And so, um, so like I said, um, I have an 11 year old daughter, I have an eight year old son and I have a one year old daughter 
And so we obviously have a pretty busy um, house and um, yeah, well, and so I, we're trying I, to get through all that. <laughs> well, and I want to just what you just said, and, and we're just going to have a super casual conversation and we're going to get really real today and talk about, all right. this, you know, just what I, I think, um, I think what it is, I think that we kind of live in this world where we, I, I did at least I, I did with my, my first couple kids, my oldest, um, is I, I, I just thought, you know, everybody else had problems, you know, but not me. Right. Cause I know my kid and I knew him really well. And I knew that my kid would never do X, Y, and Z because I would never do X, Y, and Z. And boy, was I wrong. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I, I, I love your story and I, I just, we're going to, I can't wait for everybody to hear because Diane just shared, you're just going to share this in um, just a real transparent way. And what you just said a minute ago, that your perfect child, mm-hmm. you know, something happened. And, um, and it's a good thing that we think our kids are perfect up until this point. <laughs> because if we didn't, if we didn't have our blind spots, you know, y'all heard me talk about blind spots before. Um, blind spots are good. You know, they're necessary for a while. You know, this is why we continue to feed our kids, you know, right, right. because we love them and we think they are perfect. And and so, um, but I, I love talking about when things aren't perfect. And so tell us what happened, you know, I, I, a couple of weeks ago with your daughter. Okay, so we have been um, trying to be screen free um, since I um, discovered Colin Karchner's podcast and then uh, heard your interview on there. And um, throughout the summer, I was like, okay, I think we're going to start doing this. So we've been kind of, um, my kids were never really into, we had a lot of parental controls. It was, you can either have 30 minutes of Xbox or 30 minutes on your tablet. Um, and then some days they'd get 30 minutes of both, but we had timers on both of these things. So they really couldn't go beyond that. And they didn't. Um, and so we've been kind of trying to live the screen free life and with the occasional, um, playing the Xbox on the weekend. And of course, what I hear a lot from a people is the pandemic started. And so, you know, I went in and I got the little Facebook kids uh, messenger app so that she could talk to some of her friends and, and things like that because she was lonely. It was it was just awful, you know, having to do everything online. She's a very social child and uh, both my kids are and um, or my big kids. The, the baby, I think, is pretty, pretty social, too. So um, anyway, um, just in these past couple weeks, um, she had a friend spending the night and I had forgotten to tell that friend's parents not to send her with her um, iPad. Mm. So they, they, I did let them play a little bit because the little girl that came over, I didn't want her to feel bad and like she had done something wrong by bringing it. And so I let them play a little bit, you know, supervised. And then we, you know, had family game night and her friend fell asleep before her and I had gone to bed and they were all sleeping out in the living room. And I guess my daughter didn't realize that my husband was still awake and mm. was upstairs in the office. And then so when he came down to go to bed, there's my oldest daughter and my son. Um, my son was watching and um, she was playing some game on her friend's iPad. Mm. And so knowing darn well that even if she does get um, any kind of screen time, she has to ask for it. 
And so that's never been, you know, anything. They always ask if they can have Xbox. They don't just go and do it. Um, They don't just go and pick up their tablets. They've always asked. And so she didn't, she knew right off that she was doing something she wasn't supposed to do. So she got punished for that. We took away the tablets for the, the week of Thanksgiving. And, and, you know, we took my, from my son too, but he's not quite as, um, into, he's, he's into it. His issues are different, um, with screens. And so then, um, after Thanksgiving, she went to my mom's, um, she and my son, my son stayed at my mom's for a couple nights. And I found out that she had downloaded, um, a game onto my sister's phone And, um, my sister, um, has intellectual disabilities and my mom had said it was okay. So my sister just let her do it. And (laughs) my daughter, um, got to play this game, uh, among us for several hours and apparently had, um, quite a time getting her off of giving my sister's phone back to her. Mm -hmm. And so she was at a friend's house when I found out about this. And she was supposed to spend the night. My husband was bringing her bag of clothes over to spend the night. And my son was going also to spend the night with the brother of this friend. And um, while we're packing my son's bag, he tells me, Mom, you know, I just feel like I really should tell you this. But, you know, this is what happened at Grandma's house. She played this game and I watched. And Mm -hmm. I wanted you to know. I wanted you to know I didn't play it, but I watched. So from there, I instructed my husband to drop off my son, you know, as planned and bring the girl home. (laughs) Um, She was not going to spend the night. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And um, uh, I like to coin the term drama tween. Um, (laughs) So my my drama tween returned home and (laughs) we had um, an eventful conversation. Um, about the manipulation and, and things like that. And that, that is just not allowed. And to me, it just really opened up my eyes as to really how much my daughter craves this stuff. Yeah. And we were never really a, a super heavy screen using family. Um, so yeah, that's what, well, and you know, it's, it's such a good, story and just a, a good little peek into this very typical behavior. And so, you know, if you're listening and you have teenagers, you're nodding and you're saying, oh my goodness, you know, that is exactly right. This is this is what they do. If you don't have tweens yet, just listen, take notes today. <laughs> um, <laughs> because what I, I just, um, I love a couple things that you're bringing up. Okay. One of the first things is that that I detect that you were kind of surprised, you know, kind yeah. of shocked. And, um, and this is good, you know, but, but one thing I, I, I learned from a, a mom who had actually had eight children uh, years ago, who was <laughs> my friend. And um, she said, Millie, never let your teenager shock you. <laughs> and I thought, oh, that's really good advice. But <laughs> my, my kids would never. And, and she's like, no, 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 just just you'll know what I mean when it happens. So, and, um, and so I've used that advice a lot. And when my kids do things like this that are a little bit unexpected and that are out of, out of bounds and out of our rule, rule book or out of our, you know, um, you know, regulations and structure that we have for them, I always pause and 
and try to gather myself. I try not to act surprised. I try not to, you know, react, which I know is really hard. But ever since my friend told me that, I've I've kind of been prepared to do that because what we're dealing with is, um, and with your daughter, she's becoming um, obsessed because this is what teenagers do. This is what their brains get very hot and cold and on and off and all accelerator and no brakes. It's very, it's kind of like um, being in those little bumper cars at the fair, you know, you're just whirling all around, you know, or you're on the roller coaster and this is kind of how they live. And so, but the, the trick is that they're getting bigger. They're looking more, um, you know, like adults. I mean, they're growing up and we get really confused. And so I detect from your story that, that you were kind of shocked by this as, as any, any mom would be that they're going behind your back. And, uh-huh. and when kids start to go behind your back, um, you know, that's a warning sign. That's one of our warning signs on our website. We talk about the different warning signs around screen addiction. And that's an early warning sign when they start sneaking it because, you know, she's not sneaking reading a book. And she's not sneaking doing the dishes, right? So no. we, <laughs> um, we unfortunately, um, we typically sneak things that we know we're not supposed to be doing. So, but you, you hit a really, a second really good point, and that was that you started realizing that she really did have this fear of missing out. Now, and part of it is just this curiosity, right? Because uh-huh. they, uh-huh. they are very curious about what all their friends are talking about. And they're in the stage where all these things are starting to really matter. And um, the, the problem is that you've got to be two or three steps ahead. Right. So, right. you know, so, so tell me about um, the, the mom that you were, you were talking about as far as the, um, um, the girl that had set up the, the chat. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so one of my daughter's friends this year, you know, everyone's in sixth grade. So um, a lot of parents have, um, I think when you reach middle school, I think they feel like, okay, you know, our kids are, are in middle school now, so they need to have uh, access to a phone or, or something like that. And and I didn't rule it out actually completely for my daughter. And I told her, I said, you're going to get a gab phone. That is non-negotiable. Mm-hmm. Um And so she's been kind of asking when she's going to get that. And um, that will not be coming anytime soon. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Poor child. No, poor uh, child. I know. (laughs) She'll be fine. She'll be fine. But um, yeah, so I guess um, her friend at at the school, the kids, a few kids in this class have a a group chat going on. And um, her mom, you know, my friend has all of the texts and chats and things come through her iPad. So, you know, at the end of the night, she'll kind of scroll through these things or whatever and and check it. So she's, you know, got some parental controls and and things like that. But um, I guess what was happening was that there is a girl who um, was part of this chat who seems to have some mental health issues and Mm. was telling her, you know, oh, if you don't respond to me within this many seconds, I'm going to cut myself. Um, I am this, I'm that, you know, I think she was um, every which way of 
any kind of anything that you could imagine. She said that she was. And mm-hmm. um, even going as far as, you know, lying about someone having had died in her family, and then that person really didn't. And so someone that really had some mental health issues. And my friend's daughter is just very, you know, empathetic. And um, mm-hmm. especially around the part where this girl was saying that she was going to hurt herself if X, Y, and Z didn't happen. And so her daughter eventually came to her and, and told her all this. And she was just, you know, just crying and just so stressed out. And her anxiety was just crazy because this poor little girl is 11 years old and wants to help this kid oh. and wants to be her friend. And, and, you know, of course, we know what's going on, um, you know, that this child has some, some issues. And, and, but our kids don't know that. And the thing that the, my friend told me was just be so glad that your daughter doesn't have a phone or a tablet. And I was like, yes, because I could totally see my child, um, getting sucked up into something like that. You know, of course Uh, she's a very, she's a very sweet little girl and was perfect up until recently. (laughs) And (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> of course, of course, as, she was. as close to perfect as I could imagine, you know, <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's right. You know what, what? This little story is just so sad because I want everybody to think about what this really means. When you have an 11 year old child reading, you know, comments from somebody else saying, if you don't do this, if you don't respond to me and do this, then I'm going to hurt myself. Okay. Imagine what you would feel like as a grown mom hearing that, that would be upsetting, but, but we can't even fathom what that is for an 11 year old girl to start to process that her friend is saying this. It is so upsetting and it is it is so wrong for our kids to be exposed to this. I mean, on there's there's nothing about it that is good. There is nothing about um, being 11 years old that says that you have to go run, you know, a suicide intervention on your friends. I mean, come on, it, it's very disturbing. This is the part that is the most disturbing to me um, when I look at social media and in kids and teens and even high school kids. I mean, there's none of this is good. Actually, it's not, it's not even good for adults to have to deal with things on that kind of level, but for a sixth grade child to have to deal with the weight of that, there is no question why anxiety and stress and suicide thoughts of suicide, why this is so common in our culture and the entryway for it is all these screens. I mean, I want you to think just for a second about what you would feel like right now as a mom of three, me as a mom of four, if somebody knocked on your door and said, hi, Diane, I just want to come in and um, I want to go look in your closets and I'm going to look at your pantry and I want to see if you've cleaned out your refrigerator. And I want to, I mean, you would just feel like, no, oh my gosh, it's such an invasion of my privacy. And yet, that's silly when we compare it to what our kids are. Their privacy is is just gone when they're on a screen. And whenever this happens, you lose your sense of 
who you are, your sense of identity, your, your self-esteem is like, oh my gosh, everybody knows my stuff. But, but that's one level. But this level that you're talking about mm-hmm. um, as far as now I'm being threatened. If I don't do this, then you're going to do this. And, mm-hmm. and let me just say, I, kn- I know that, you know, you may think that your friend's daughter in the situation is unusual, but let me tell you, this is not unusual. This is exactly what goes on every single day on social media and texting and all this with this age group. It, it is astounding to <laughs> really understand what they're doing. Yeah. And I think for me, what was just so surprising is, is I hadn't even thought of that. I, my mindset was, okay, I'm saving my child from predators. I'm saving mm-hmm. my child's brain from whatever I've been reading is happening to her brain. And, you mm-hmm. know, um, I'm saving mm-hmm. her from having all this stuff out there. At no point did I think about something like this where another kid could, it wasn't even a social media thing. It wasn't even a, you need to lose weight kind of thing. It wasn't even, you're not pretty enough. It was, I, you know, this is a kid who has some mental health issues that was using this group of friends to try to get attention and to, you know, I mean, when I was in, when I was in school, it was, you know, there was kids that would wear like a knee brace to get attention, you know, Mm -hmm. and this kid is saying that she's cutting herself. And Mm -hmm. so for that is, that's heavy. Mm -hmm. And I had just never even thought about that as even being an issue. And so um, that it just kind of helps reaffirm this journey that we're on. And, um, you know, my daughter may or may not agree with it. um, But you know, the night that uh, she came home from from the, from the friend's house, um, you know, I had told you when we talked the other day was I, I explained to her, I said, look, you know, your brain isn't capable mm-hmm. of making these boundaries. Your brain is not there yet, but mine is. And so it's my job to to put these restrictions on you. And and not only just because it was a screen, it was that my child had manipulated you know, and oh, yeah. had gone behind our back, it, it, you know, it could have been anything else, yeah. but it just happened to be a screen and she just happens to be, you know, obsessed with these uh, two games that she's yeah. never really even played before. So, well, and the reason why she's obsessed with them, let's get back to that. That is very, very normal. She's, um, you know, she's a teenager now. She's a tween. She's getting into this part of her, her brain is working overtime <clears throat> to figure out what's out there. What am I missing? What do I need to know? The, the, it really, really shifts. And, and I will also say that about every six months, okay, so right around the time when you feel like you've got her figured out, it's all going to change again. It's, it, it's, and the reason why this happens from a medical standpoint is because this thing called neuronal pruning is happening right now during puberty. And this is the brain reorganizing itself saying, hmm, what are we doing and what are we not doing? And let's take inventory. And so the brain literally starts to figure out the pathways that your child is using and and it like paves those pathways to make them easier to use. And then it looks at the pathways that your kids aren't using. So like, 
you know, um, learning a new language, for example, it gets harder after puberty. I, I think I've said on this show before that my kids, um, they have a violin teacher and he said, guys, any song that you memorize before puberty, you will never forget the rest of your life. So memorize as much as you can, <laughs> because after puberty, you're going to forget everything. <laughs> you can still learn it, but it doesn't stick. It does. And so memories are much more permanent you know, during this stage. And this is, these are the reasons why our kids need to borrow our frontal cortex until theirs is up and running properly. Right now it's not running properly. Right now your daughter doesn't know. She's trying because that's her job as a preteen. Her job is to take as many risks and to try as many things as, as possible. And your job as a parent of a preteen is to keep those boundaries really strong and to keep that pathway very, very narrow, really, when it comes to screens, because they're going to jump off at every exit and go try anything they can. And I, I know there are parents out there that say, oh, you, you sound like you're being controlling. And again, we want to look at this like we're being a coach. If you do not coach your kids right now, someone else will. Mm-hmm. If you don't do it, someone else will. Your child is trying to figure out her identity. And where do you want her to figure that out? Do you want her to figure that out from the friend who's cutting herself? Do you want her to figure that out by spending time in what I call the social media city dump? Or do you want her to get her her identity from you and your family and your values? And so in order to do that, we are not going to remove them from the world and we're not going to say, you know, we're not going to put blinders on them or us. We, though, are going to be the ones to have the discussions about cutting before they get bombarded by their friends. We're going to be the ones to have the discussions with them about sexuality and pornography and all this before they experience that. They do not have to experience it in order to learn how to deal with it um, and manage it. And right now, your daughter's brain is not able, and there's nothing wrong with your daughter at all. In fact, she's mm-hmm. extremely normal. It sounds whatever that means. Whatever and that's normal that's means. a that's a good thing, you know. Um, that I've learned through this journey is where my child's brain is, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. so um, that I could explain to her, you know, at that time, even though she was not hearing it, she was too busy crying and. Um, being sad, you know, that she gotten caught really. Um, Mm -hmm. And that um, I think she did feel shame though. She felt ashamed that she had done this and Mm -hmm. um, you know, um, I forgot where I was going here. Well, well, no, that's a really good point to make. Um, And it's okay because when we're guilty, we feel guilty and we're guilty for a reason. And that's a really good emotion. And if she doesn't feel guilty, then that's not good. So that's super good that she, um, felt bad about it, but I want to talk about just for a second, your, your, your guilt and, and, and my guilt as parents. And I, I know that there is certain things growing up that I wish I had had. And so it's so hard when my kids are growing up to, you know, um, like not buy my daughter, all the Barbies she wants, because I love Barbies. I love playing with her. <laughs> and, um, and so, but how did, how did you, you feel, how did you feel growing up? Like, like just about this, like, what was it in our day, the fear of missing out? What were oh, the things? It was the guest genes. Oh, it was, 
It was 1987. <laughs> I was the new girl. The first time I was in a public school, um, we had lived in New Orleans, and um, I had always gone to a Catholic school where we had uniforms. Oh. And so um, we had moved uh, here to the Houston area, and um, all these kids were wearing guest jeans. And I was just like, oh, my what are these, you know, what is this? And, um, you know, and I was, um, um, I wasn't, I wasn't a portly child, I don't think, but I wasn't a thin child. So, um, (laughs) having been, um, I had been, you know, kind of made fun of on my looks, you know, my hair hadn't really, um, gotten to where it is now and, um, learning to, I wasn't the greatest fashion, you know, um, icon, at, at nine years old. So <laughs> I guess I what I'm trying not. to say, I'm trying to be nice about myself, but um, it, was, it was pretty go ahead, bad. Go ahead. It was awkward. Okay. <laughs> it was awkward. Awkward. That's, there we go. So um, <laughs> I wanted to feel left. I wanted to be a part of this and I had not, not known. And um, the school I was going to was actually just down the street from Compaq, who was in their heyday. And Mm -hmm. so everyone is making great money and they, you know, a $50 on a pair of jeans for a nine-year-old just was fine for these people. My dad, my dad, my mom were not um, working there. (laughs) We just happened to live there. Um, And um, my mom was not going to buy a $50 pair of jeans for for a kid, you know? And so it was just, I wanted that. I wanted to be part of that. I felt like it was going to make me um, accepted by these kids because in my mind, it was the clothing that made you who you are. Mm -hmm. And... um, But that, you know, is obviously not the case, but, you know, I'm much older now. You know, you were um, nine years old and that in your nine years, 10 years, you know, th- this, this is what we're thinking at that age. And, and honestly, when you just said the thing about the $50, that's really, um, that, that really makes, yeah, that's just really eye opening too, because what are we doing today? We're giving our kids devices that are $800 for crying out loud. I mean, it costs a, a smartphone costs more than my first car, right? So <laughs> it's like, wait a minute, you know, but I think that what you're touching on is what all parents can relate to. And it's that fear of not fitting in. And that's what you were just describing with the whole guest genes. And so we want, we, we remember that it's so raw, it's such a raw feeling. And mm-hmm. remember what I just said a few minutes ago about how childhood memories stick further than in, you know, the last more than any other memories and good ones and bad ones. And so we can remember these little traumatizing things that happened. It was so traumatizing. I mean, you remember it like it was yesterday, Diane. I talking do. About it. <laughs> I, I do. I mean, I'm like living it right now and feeling that right. like if, if only I'd had that. And, and that was 1987's $50. Okay. Right. Um, so, right. You know, and so, it's probably what Abercrombie today is what kids. Yes. Um, the $120 pair of. Right. But, right. But listen, I'm right there with you. And, and so, but what we do is moms and, and I think dads do it too, is we remember these things from our childhood. We don't want our kids to feel the same way. It's so raw. 
And so we kind of start vicariously living, you know, through them a little bit. So we're going to get them that phone and we're going to get them that um, social media account. We're going to make sure that they aren't left out. But parents, Mm -hmm. this is such a bad idea. I mean, if, if we need to go buy my pair of jeans, buy my pair of jeans, but the internet and the social media and the texting and all that 24 seven access to all this stuff is not where you want to go. It's not what you're, you want for your kids. You don't want your kids trying to be the, you know, psychologists for all their friends. How right. stressful is this? And it, this is our job. It's, it is our job. We are not putting our head in the sand. In fact, we, we're raising kids that are going to be so far ahead of the game because they're going to be so much more um, attached to their family than they are to these, um, you know, unstable, unstable peers out there. You know, mm-hmm. there's a lot of research around this. This is just not some opinion from a couple moms here talking today. Mm-hmm. This is so grounded in research. And the fear of missing out um, is is something that is solved by creating stronger ties with your kids, not giving in to all their screen desires, you know, or even their guest gene desires. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know it, it seems like it at the time that it's the end of the world, but what your daughter and what every tween out there needs more than, than she needs even a texting account, you know, or social media account. The thing I like about the Gab phone is you can get the service where it, it doesn't have group text because I think group text is where it all starts. Um, at least that's my experience. And, and based on the research, um, this is where kids start to get into trouble. Um, but what your kids, so your kids, you know, so, so she can have a phone like a Gab phone that, um, that has talk, right? Imagine right. Yeah. On the phone. yeah. I, I, we right? actually, we have a house phone. Um, and because as you know, she was getting a little bit older, you know, sometimes if I need to run up to the store or whatever, um, mm-hmm. they can, they can stay home. Um, right. And um, so we wanted to have that house phone. So we have that. And, and I actually reminded her of that the other day. Right. Um, right. You know, she said that she had given my number to her friend so that we moms could talk. And I said, well, you know, we have a house phone. You can talk to your friend on, on yes. that phone, you know? Yeah. And she's like, yeah. Oh yeah, I know. I know. And I'm like, okay, just remember that, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. and, and then when we first got it, she used it a bit, but she, I haven't seen her pick up that phone in, a, in quite a while. So, right. Well, and one thing that, um, that parents have done is just get a gap phone for their house phone. And that way it is sort of like, um, it's a little more portable. If they have to go babysitting, your, your kids can take right. it. I don't think that teenagers at this age, um, need their own phone. Um, it, you know, I know plenty that are in even sixth, seventh and eighth grade, even into high school that don't have their own phone. In fact, their lives are really simple <laughs> and less mm-hmm. complicated over the whole thing. In fact, there's some days I wish somebody would take my phone away because <laughs> I'm I, like, yeah, I, I have that stressed too. <laughs> by it. But let's just get back to this fear of missing out. I know this is a big hang up for a lot of parents and you just described it really well. And this is the reason why your daughter is reaching out. She's trying to figure out, um, 
you know, what everybody else is doing so she can be sure that she can be just like them. And, um, you know, I love walking into middle schools that don't have uniforms because it looks like they have a uniform because all the kids are dressed just alike. It's so funny. They are trying to be, you know, different, but what they're really trying to do is look like everybody else. And, um, what we know about the research around peer oriented kids versus parent oriented kids is so, is so compelling. And, there is so much research on this um, issue of kids who become more peer oriented rather than family or parent oriented do so much worse in, in their life, not just through their teen years, but also on the research studies that show 10 and 15, 20 years out. Kids who are more peer oriented, who are using their peers as their compass, as their guide, who are, you know, slowly tuning out their parents and um, using their their peers to figure life out do worse. Now, this isn't that hard to believe, right? Um, mm-hmm. But they are more addicted to drugs. They are more addicted to alcohol. They they have more teen pregnancies. They drop out of school, um, and it only makes sense. But the 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 problem is is where you are right now, and where I was raising my middle school, you know, tweens. Um, is it's hard for us to see this and Mm -hmm. and it happens so slowly. So what happens, um, it, it it happens like right under our nose, but we don't even see it happening. That's why we need our, our group, our screen strong families, um, Facebook group, by the way, if y'all haven't joined that, please jump on there. And this is where we, um, have a lot of these conversations, but you've, you've right now, Diane, you've got to keep your bearings because it's, it's going to get up and down and, and worse before it gets better. Um, but you're going to be prepared. Um, the very fact that she was sneaking this is, is shouldn't shock you. There's nothing wrong with her. She doesn't need to go to a psychologist. Right. (laughs) I right. (laughs) I just want you to see that you have just entered this stage. This is the next stage and it will go from now 11 years old, all the way, I hate to tell you all the way you know, uh, for the next five, six, seven years. I mean, this is just your job and it's going to get, it's, and it's going to be okay. And, um, but it's going to get a little tougher and, but you're going to be ahead of the game because you're going to see it coming. And and the biggest question I want to ask, you know, right now to really everybody listening and to you and to me and the world about this whole issue is what are our kids benefiting from this with all the social media and, and with all the, the trash out there. What, what really, where's the benefit? I don't see the benefit. What, uh, what is the benefit that they're not missing out? Well, I want them to miss out on that stuff. Right. 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 I, I, so we get to pick what they, they miss out on and you are not being, um, too strict to monitor this. And I also want to just say, I don't know how you feel about privacy, um, for teenagers, but teenagers should not have privacy on their screens at all. No, I mean, no. zero. I mean, zilch. I mean, none. I mean, this is the only stage in life for some reason where our culture gives teenagers privacy. And yet when you go get a job or you get married, you don't have privacy anymore in this area. You, you are totally accountable for what you do. But for some reason, we feel like teenagers don't have privacy. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you see what I'm saying? It's kind of well, all backwards. 
Well, fortunately, my kids are still in a stage where they just leave everything out. So, um, you know, they're they don't really want privacy because at least if you look at their rooms, there's yeah. no privacy because it's all out. It's all out on the floor. Out. Yeah. All out on the floor and you get to trip on it on your way in. Um, yeah. But yeah, um, I think I've I've even said in some of my less um, glowing parental moments um, <laughs> that there is no there is no privacy in this house. There is no, she gets to, you right. know, parent herself and make these choices. I am the parent. It yeah. does not matter that your friend said you could use her iPad. That, that is not that, that she's 11 too. <laughs> it's just, she is not your mother. Don't throw her under the bus, you know? Yeah. And um, yeah. it just, it was just so surprising, you know, and I, and I knew sh things were going to start happening. And, yeah. um, and I have to say, if this is what she does, boy, am I blessed because I know there are people that are dealing with kids that are doing way worse. Sure. Um, and, um, so yeah, yeah, I'm blessed, but it was just, it was well, just kind of surprising that she would that she would bring grandma and her aunt into this. I was like, whoa, <laughs> kid, really? Did you did yeah. what? And so she's yeah. very smart. You have to give her credit. She's very smart. And she um, is a very smart kid. We've been we've been saying this since um well, I mean, you know, all three yeah. of my kids are geniuses. So sure. of course. Um, yes. yes, and perfect. Um <laughs> and perfect. <laughs> and perfect. So um well, I yeah. wanna give you I wanna give you a preview of what's to come. And, okay. and um okay, so the preview <laughs> of what's to come is what's next. Your daughter may um, write a speech for you about all the reasons why she's mature enough now to have oh, her own. Okay. okay. This might become, I'm just saying, I, I'm okay. just saying it might, it might be coming. <laughs> um, this is very, very common <laughs> for, um, for this age group, um, to make their list and to work many hours, even on a PowerPoint and to then make a presentation to mom and dad about why now is the perfect time for them to have all this stuff, but you're going to be ready for that. Too. I am. And the other thing, the other thing that comes to mind that I'm going to um, give you the answer, you know, like to the test before you take the test mm -hmm. is she's going to wake up one day and tell you that you don't trust her. Yes. And yes. And you are going to say <laughs> that is correct, honey. It's correct. <laughs> you know, I think one, one thing that, and I bless my mom. I think this is where I, I did learn some stuff from my mom. I wish I'd learned a lot more. Um, mm. But my mom wasn't afraid of anything. <laughs> she was just like, um, no, there, there it is. No, it's not yeah. happening. Yeah. And, and so I kind of get that from her too. And I'm not afraid to tell my kids no. I'm not afraid for my kids to not like me. Mm -hmm. It is not my job to be liked. I would right. love for them right. to like me, but I also know that these next few years, you know, because once she's in the midst of, of her stuff, my son's coming in three years behind, you know, um, and so I'll have to start dealing with him going into adolescence. Um, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm not, not afraid to say no. Yeah. And, and this trust um, thing, this trust thing, what I want to start to wrap up our time today with this thought, um, in, in just with this truth that your job, my job, your job, all of us who are raising these wonderfully perfect kids today, mm 
our, in our screen-saturated world. Um, our job is to build trust for, for them to trust us, not for us to trust them. Does that make sense? So you, yeah. you yeah. want your daughter to trust you. Mm-hmm. And you're not so worried about trusting her. That's not your job right now. Um, but you want to build trust with her. And the way you do that is you are doing exactly what you're doing and you're setting these boundaries very strong. Our, our kids, especially at this age, they are desperate for someone to care enough about them to set up this pathway, set their boundaries, and yet within those boundaries to have fun with them, to get yeah. to know them. You need to know your kids better than they, they know their friends. Okay. You, you need to make it, you know, your job and it's my job to really study our kids and get to know them. That is the way they feel loved. And the stronger they feel that bond, the more that, that you um, can demonstrate that love to them, then the, the closer they're going to be to your family. And the, these are the, ba- the, the bonds that we have to build right now. It is not our job nor their job to build strong bonds with their friends right now. I know that sounds a little crazy, but, but that is the truth. And that will keep them mentally healthy. It will keep them physically healthy, believe it or not. And it will create this incredible foundation. So then when they do leave you, because one day they will, and they'll, mm-hmm. they'll fly out of the nest, they're going to be strong. Their foundation will be built on these strong connections with their family and not with, um, not with their peers. This is just the way it has to be. So we have to think of things that we can do. And right now during the holiday season, this is such a perfect time to think of ways to continue to build this trust. We want our home to be fun. We want our kids to spend more time with us and in our home and doing the, um, the, the hobbies and the things that we are going to help them discover we want them to, to like that more than they like their screens. And you can think that's impossible, but it's not impossible. And that's what Screen Strong is all about. We're going to help you figure out how to make those bonds stronger, how to just build these healthy childhoods one block at a time. So just a few more quick solutions today, because I always like to talk about solutions. And Diane, just based on on your story, what I would... Um, kind of recommend. And and as we, you know, talk this through, I, I, I know that it can be touchy for some people because, you know, and I've been there and I've been, I've been right in there in your shoes and, and some Mm -hmm. of the stuff I'm saying may be kind of like what, but what I want to say (laughs) is to smile. One of the first solutions, (laughs) smile a lot and you do and you are, and I can tell that you have a sense of humor and I want everybody listening to give yourself this gift, this holiday season to simply enjoy your kids, smile a lot. Whenever they, they come up with some, you know, calling you names or, you know, which actually we don't allow in our house, but if they get mad at you or, you know, why can't I? And you're mean. And, you know, I just want you to smile and say, yes, but that's okay. You're going to like it one day, honey. You might not like it right now, but you're going to like it one day. And just really give your gift the um, gift of humor. Mm -hmm. I don't think we use this enough in our in our families in general. And we've really done more of that over the years after we were, we just had such a crash and burn disaster with my oldest son. <laughs> and I realized, you know, why would he want to hang out with us? We've got to be more of fun. I mean, come on, right. make everything so serious. So we have a lot of family humor. We have a lot of family 
jokes. <clears throat> I want to mention something. I'll mention it again and again, but <clears throat> I want to mention that um, giving our kids nicknames was one of the best things we ever did. Okay. 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 And so be thinking about this, mom and dad. This is just a little tip that is, um, you, you can't really you can't really tell them you're doing this, right? But just in the nooks and crannies of living life in your home, you know, certain things come up about your your kids. And so nicknames are very endearing. The other thing is um, secret handshakes. Okay. This, this is, this is just coming to my mind. The things that, that you can do with your teenagers that um, sound kind of silly, right? And they Uh have to kind of act like, oh, mom, that's so silly and whatever. But you know what? It's not silly. And they're going to love it. And that these are the endearing things that we do to draw our tweens back into our home. And um, so we're going to smile. We're going to use humor. We're going to figure out a secret handshake. Um, And we're going to (laughs) think about some nicknames. I think nicknames are such um, a wonderful thing. And if you haven't um, read about the love languages, be sure you understand what your child's particular love language is. That's a whole separate thing, but it's really important for them to feel loved in their home. You also want to, um, another, another solution that comes to my mind is to continue what you're doing with being strict with her. You want to monitor anything that she does, have her, her text even come through to your phone. If you want, um, you know, have her friends text you and Mm -hmm. uh, we have some friends right now. Um, my boys have some friends who are in the 10th grade and, um, uh, one of them is a girl and all of her texts go to her mom's phone. And I love it. And I remind my, my kids often remember her mom is reading all this. Right. And, I just love it. And, and so it's fine. The other um, final thing that I'll say on my solution for you is to be sure to um, even in the midst of the pandemic to um, get her around some of her friends, you know, find mm-hmm. out the ones that, that she can hang out with. This is a perfect time. Um, Christmas is coming. We're going to have a lot of free time at home as if we haven't had enough free time at home. Right. <laughs> but, oh um, you know, plan some get togethers, get her girlfriends over just two or three over at a time to make cookies, make candy. We just made a huge batch of salted caramels last night. That's one of my oh, kids yummy. favorite things to do. And then we're doing more of, of that type of baking this year because they can handle a candy thermometer now. And, you know, we're, we're wrapping, you know, wrapping a whole um, batch of caramels takes about two hours. So that's a wonderful activity. Um, Get her involved in some fun, real life holiday things that that you can do to start traditions in your home. And that will get you over this little bump in the road. But um, I am so thankful that you came on to share with us today because I just want this group to be able to do that. I want this podcast not to be you know, all the cutesy little answers, we have got to really be transparent and look at at what's really going on. Because if we don't share this, then we feel isolated. And that's, that's the the final thing, I guess I want you to comment on is, um, is just, is just that the, the, the problem with, with parenting today is that this is really lonely, because if you take, if you don't allow your daughter to have, you know, this device right now, you're going to feel like you're the only parent out there doing that. Well, and, um, that's a, that's a good point. Um, and what I have found is throughout this, this journey since I guess sometime early spring or mid spring, 
Um, when I've mentioned it to some people, and even as recently as last night, um, I was talking to a friend and she told me the problems that they're having with her son mm. and that he has gone above and beyond to get access to computers, as, I mean, changing SIM cards and um, really just wow, um, gone to some great lengths to get access um, oh. to a screen. And she was just like kind of relieved to be able to tell me this. And I didn't judge her and I didn't say anything. And it's like, oh, girl, yeah, join this group. <laughs> I'll send you the invite. Yes. Um, I said, there's there's people going through this. I said, that is, you know, so for me now uh, that I've been going through some of this is not only that I'm not feeling as alone, um, but is to let other people know, hey, you're not alone. And there's a group here that is ready mm -hmm. to support you, that um, that you've got these resources um, at, at your disposal. And there's this, you know, almost what, 900 yeah. people in the group that right. are going through this at some different level. Right. And and if we can all kind of unite and make it popular to not be on screens, yeah. I think we'd have some much happier kids. Exactly. And we'll be healthier. And, but you're exactly right. What you're, what you're describing is the need for this type of community and for this movement to really start where we're waking up and we're saying no more, not my house, not my kid. We're not doing this right. anymore. And what you're describing is our, um, you know, screen strong, um, challenge, you know, the, the seven day detox that we are helping people go through and hopefully they can do it for the 30 days to get started. And then the Screen Strong Families Facebook group. And we know that without a community, we can't change it. You have to have a community and that's what we are. And we don't want anybody to feel lonely. You are not alone. There are thousands and thousands and thousands of people all over the country that are doing just this. And we need to start being more vocal and, um, you know, just make our friends more aware of what we're doing. And what I like to say in my house is that my kids um, are allergic to video games and they're allergic to porn. And so that's why we've made this, this is why we've made the decision. Do you want to come along with us? And, you know, nine times out of 10, parents are like, oh, my gosh, I would love to. <laughs> right. <laughs> because, you know, well, because, you know, we like our kids so much more. And, and I, I know that's kind of maybe too transparent to say, but, you know, we... My, my oldest, I talked to him about this all the time. And he says, mom, I had a terrible childhood. All you did was allow me to be on screens. And I'm like, honey, I'm so sorry. And we've made our peace. But um, that wasn't fun for anybody. And we enjoy our kids so much more now. The younger ones, we, we've got this figured out. Do not let these screens get you down. Um, you know, Diane, we have your back. We're going to be here for you. We're going to talk you. to you again. And when you have your, your next little hiccup in the road, but, right. stay, but stay strong and don't give in. That is the key. That is the whole thing. You can always, you can always give in, but you can't always easily pull it back. So, right, um, right. you know, just always err on the side of caution when it comes to this. So thank you so much, um, Diane, for coming in today and for, um, sharing your your story. I can't wait to hear from you again. And I hope I hope that everybody enjoyed listening today. Remember, we've got your back and we're here to help you. Until next time, stand up for your kids, stand out from the crowd and stay strong. <laughs>